Well, good morning to you all. If you'd like to uh, take your Bibles and going back to, to Mark's Gospel and returning to chapter 11. So chapter 11 of Mark's Gospel. And I'm going to pick up uh, from verse 11. So a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the first 11 verses, the triumphal entry of Jesus into, uh, into Jerusalem. And we're going to pick up again at verse 11 down to uh, 26, verse 26. So chapter 11 of Mark's Gospel. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had heard, had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat again, eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who brought and sold in the temple and overturned tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and saw how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but leaves that those things he says will be done, he, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you forget, have anything against anyone, forgive him, that he, that your Father in heaven, might also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven, in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Well, may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. 
May I just say a very short prayer for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your, your wonderful word. And we ask uh, that you might uh, bless it to us, that you might uh, speak to us, each of us, and feed us and uh, comfort us and challenge us in our Christian walk. Amen. Amen. Now, I might have uh, mentioned uh, previously that Avril and I have a number of, uh, a small number of uh, fruit trees. We've got a couple of apple trees and a pear tree in our small patio garden at the back. Uh, they're just small trees that uh, go along the side of, of, of the fence. Um, we've uh, often had... Uh, Good years of, of of a crop, you know, good apples, and usually the pear tree performs quite well. We get some nice, nice pears. They're nice and sweet. Uh, the apples are can be a bit more of a problem. We've had issues with uh, a a moth, and uh, sometimes the apple looks good, but when you you bite into it, uh, there's grubs inside. Uh, so uh, we've got uh, we've got a few little uh, uh, trees at the back, and so I guess our, our theme this morning, one of the themes our morning is fruitfulness, or to be to be uh, uh, specific here, fruitlessness. So if you if you want a title for this this morning's message, it, I, I suppose it could be a fruitless tree. A fruitless tree. Now, one of my abiding memories of when I lived in Senegal uh, was uh, the abundance, the superabundance of amazing, wonderful fruit. Now, I know a little bit about apple trees. Avril and I have some experience of of uh, uh, the apple trees that we have, but I, I've got wonderful memories of the most amazing mangoes and where I lived in in Senegal and the Cantanas will know exactly what I mean here we had mango trees everywhere and you could literally just go out out of your house and, and you know when they were ripe, you know well they would fall from the trees you would hear this this thump ever so often they were just the most amazing mangoes and papaya and I don't know much about how you grow them, but nonetheless, it, it was just amazing. You can go to uh, the, you know, the supermarkets. You can go to uh, even the markets in town. But uh, there's nothing like being there in a place where it, where you've got mangoes being grown, and uh, those West African mangoes were just just amazing. So we're going to be thinking about fruit trees and fruit that, that this this morning and what god would have have us learn from this particular passage now fig trees uh you can grow in this country you can grow fig trees uh if you are able to to put them in a in a, a, a big enough pot and you can move the the trees indoors when it gets cold uh but as far as fig trees are concerned I don't really have much experience or knowledge, but 
since preparing for this message, I've, I've been able to sort of uh, read up on fig tree growing. And that, I guess, is what we're, we're thinking about today, isn't it? The fig tree. And this, this account that we've just had read here in chapter 11 uh, of Jesus and the fig tree, well, for many people, it, it, it's very puzzling. It's one of those puzzling uh, accounts in the scriptures. What is it that Jesus is doing when he, he sees this fig tree and it's out of season? Well, the, the scriptures tell us that. And he's expecting fruit. And then he, well, uh, most translations, the way they put it is that he curses the tree. He says that let no, you know, there'll be no more fruit from you from this time onwards. And, you know, why is Jesus doing and saying these these things. So this is what we're going to consider this morning. Now, the last time we were in Mark, we looked at, as I said, the triumphal entry, Jesus coming into to Jerusalem on the uh, on the donkey on the colt, and we were thinking about that, and we finished at verse eleven, and so we pick up at verse eleven, and Jesus. Uh, goes into the temple. He goes and has a look around. Verse 11 says that he, he looked at everything. And then he went back to Bethany. Now, it's likely that he was staying with Mary and Martha. And when I was thinking about this, Bashi, I was thinking, well, you know, we know from John's gospel in particular, John sort of mentions this, the hospitality that Jesus would have received. Uh, from that family, from those two sisters and their brother Lazarus. So I was kind of thinking that morning, as Mark is relating it for us, Jesus is setting out from Bethany again into Jerusalem. Surely he would have had a hearty breakfast. Mary and Martha would have made sure that he would have had something to eat. But Jesus is obviously concerned to get to Jerusalem and to the temple. That's the, the focus, the trajectory of Jesus' ministry here. And, and so here we have verse 12. He finds, he sees afar off this, this fig tree. And what Mark does, what Mark does for us is that he, he sandwiches between Jesus seeing the fig tree and Jesus explaining um, the, why the tree is with it with the disciples he sandwiches between those uh, uh, two parts of the fig tree story of account he then puts in jesus in the temple and jesus turning out the money changes in the temple and that helps us to understand the context and understand why why this is happening why jesus does this so we're going to think about this fig tree this morning now, fig trees usually uh, start to produce fruit after two or three years from planting as a young as a young tree, as a young sapling. It's usually a couple of years before they produce fruit, and I believe the usual season in Israel for figs is, I think, early May, perhaps end of April, May, and then. I think a later a later crop in towards the end of of the summer. 
So they produce twice yearly. And figs are very sweet. They're very sweet. And I think there's a lot of uses for figs. I, I remember my mother used to make fig jam. Wasn't my favorite. I, I preferred her, uh, her um, thick cut marmalade. And my mother was very famous for that. But I do believe that time she, she, uh, she made fig jam. So there's a, I think there's a lot of application in, in cooking and baking with, with figs. And maybe uh, there are folk here who have, have used figs. So figs are nice and tasty. And when they're, they're really ripe, uh, you, you know, just pluck them off the tree. Perhaps uh, maybe not my favorite fruit, but nonetheless, lots of uses. And, and of course, in, in a place like Israel where it's dry and hot, ideal growing situation for fig trees. You know, you can just imagine people walking along the, by the roadside and be able to pluck a, a fig tree just to uh, uh, wet the appetite or just to uh, stave off the, the, the hunger pains. And, and in a sense, on a, on a certain level, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's left Bethany, he's heading to Jerusalem, and it says he was hungry. He was hungry. And that, that tells us uh, something very special about our Lord Jesus, doesn't it? It tells us that he's like us because we get hungry. And I think as we were kind of sit, uh, singing earlier one of the hymns, which is talking about how Jesus came in, in a, as a frail man and that he, he, he endured the, the things that we endure, hunger and tiredness. And Jesus is able to uh, sympathize with us in a very real way. And so that verse 12 tells us a lot, even when it just says he was hungry. But of course, everything is for a purpose in the scriptures. And Jesus, in a sense, even there, it was all pre-planned by, by, by the Lord, that he would be hungry and there would be this certain fig tree. So he sees the fig tree and the fig tree's laden the, the the picture we have here it's laden with 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 full leaves and of course what that should normally mean is that there are there's fruit because when there's leaves there are the fig, figs on the tree but of course there, there 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 is no figs in this tree now there's been a number of explanations over the years as to why we have this account why it's there but I believe that the, the whole passage really, and Mark really helpfully sort of lays it out for us, why this story is here. Jesus is heading for Jerusalem. Remember in verse 11, he saw, went into the temple to see the temple. And now he's returning and he's specifically going back to the temple. And here is this, this account, which the other gospel writers uh, re relate to us in perhaps a slightly different way. But Jesus is now going back to the temple. And so that's the focal point. That's something we need to bear in our mind. Jesus is going to the temple. And this is the epicenter of the religious life. 
of the Jewish people. This is right in the heart of the faithful city, or what should be the faithful city, the, 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 the holy city, the city of Jerusalem. And this is where Jesus is going. And this is where we, we find him in the later verses in this section here. So what Jesus is doing with the fig tree, with this particular fig tree that's got beautiful leaves, yet no, no fruit, no figs, he's using it as an object lesson. He's using it to, in a sense, as a, a vivid live parable for the disciples. And it's really, in a sense, a, a sign of judgment, as we're going to see. Because when we think about the Old Testament, and Jesus refers to the Old Testament here, is that the fig tree is a picture, or to use the old language, a type for Israel and, and of Jerusalem. And we can turn to many passages in the scriptures which, which use the, the picture of the fig tree to represent Israel in some way. So you don't need to turn to some of these passages, but we've got Hosea chapter 9, verse 10. And I'll read just picking up from verse 9. They have deeply corrupted themselves as in the day of Gabeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Verse 10. Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. Like the first fruit on the fig tree in its season, in its first season, I saw your fathers, but they came to Baal Peor and consecrated themselves to the thing of shame and became detestable like the thing they loved. So a sense of judgment there, isn't there? A sense of, well, Israel is the first fruit of figs, which is supposed to be offering faithful worship. But here, there's unfaithfulness, there's apostasy, there's turning away from the, the calling that God had given to the people of Israel. And there are other uh, references. Uh, uh, perhaps a, a, a longer reference would be Jeremiah ch chapter 24. Let, let me read that. Just reading, picking up from verse 1 down to verse 8. So this is Jeremiah 24. Uh, you can turn to it if you to this passage if you like. So reading from verse one, just to get the context. This is the Jeremiah. After Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken into exile from Jerusalem, Jeconiah the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, together with all the officials of Judah, the craftsmen and the metal workers, and had them brought to Babylon. The Lord showed me this vision. Behold. Two baskets of figs placed before the temple of the Lord. One basket had very good figs, like the first ripe figs. But the other basket had very bad figs, so bad that they couldn't be eaten. And the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, figs, the good figs, very good, and the bad figs, very bad. So bad that they cannot be eaten. Then the, Lord's, the word of the Lord came to me. 
Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so I will regard as good the exiles from Judah, who I have sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. I will set on my, my set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will bring, build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. But thus says the Lord, like the bad figs that are so bad, they cannot be eaten. So I will treat Zedekiah, king of Judah, his officials, the remnant of Jerusalem who remain in this land, and those who dwell in the land of Egypt. So again, there's, there's, there's promises and then there's judgment. There is this, in a sense, picture of Israel as, as a tree of, of figs. So it's quite a significant image or symbol uh, that we can see in, in the Old Testament, running through the Old Testament particularly in books like Jeremiah and, and Isaiah. And it's one that perhaps the, 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 the disciples should have recognized. So you see, in Israel, we see the, the, the fig tree represents, the fig, the, tree, the fig tree represents Israel. It's supposed to produce good fruit. Now, in my research into fig trees, uh, I came across a Messianic Jewish man in, in Israel. Uh, there is a ministry, and I, I don't know too much about the ministry, but uh, there was an article on this website, and uh, this uh, uh, Jewish believer in Jesus uh, is talking about this. He's talking about fig trees, and he's talking about his own experience as a fig tree grower, because obviously Israel uh, is a great place for growing figs, obviously, we, you know, that's why we see it in the scriptures. It was a common, and is a common uh, uh, fruit tree. And this is what he, he says. He says that uh, a mature tree would have older branches. And there's a very early season of fruit before the main season called what they call the Breba or the Breba fruit. And it's from the mature branch on, on obviously a tree that's old enough. So we're not talking about a young sapling tree, we're not talking about a tree that, you know, you, you, that if you go to the garden center, like we did with our apple trees and got them, you know, a tiny little thing in a, in a, in a pot that would then just grow. We're not talking about a very young tree. We're talking about a, a, a mature tree that's got old wood on it, or you know, older branches. And this man in Israel, uh, this Messianic Jew, was saying that he 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 puzzled over this passage. And then he says, being a fig tree grower helped him understand a bit. But maybe what Jesus was doing when he came looking for fruit off this, this fig tree. 
and perhaps this is what Jesus was looking for. He was looking for the breather fruit that was to be uh, coming out of uh, early, that can come early where you've got older, more mature um, fig trees. And after all, the, the, the leaves were there. And so perhaps Jesus, Jesus is looking for the breather fruit. And this is his first um, um, fruit, uh, harvest of fruit. I'm not sure, maybe it's a, for, for older trees, it's an additional one. But anyway, the, the picture for us is that the fruit, the, the fig tree has first fruit. And that first fruit, in a sense, is, is supposed to be what, what Israel is showing to the world. But of course, when Jesus finds the tree, this particular tree, there is no fruit. Outwardly, it looks like it's going, it's going to be a good tree. Look at those leaves. But there are no figs. And this is why when we get to Jesus going into the temple and he sees what's going on in the temple, we see, see what's happening. You see, very impressive on the outward, out, all on the outside. And the temple would have looked very, very grand at that time. Everything on the outward side would look good. But then when Jesus is in the temple, what does he find? On closer inspection, he doesn't find the spiritual fruit that he, should have, he, he would have expected, that the Lord would have expected of Israel as this, this mature branch, this, this branch that's supposed to be producing fruit, and fruit ultimately for the nations. So this is, a, this is where, where we see Jesus in verse 17 saying, you know, uh, is it not written? Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus, referring then to Jeremiah uh, chapter 7, verse 11. You have made it a den of robbers. Because what was happening was that uh, they'd opened up the Gentile court uh, for for the selling of doves and pigeons, for the, for the poorer pilgrims who would be coming up to the city for Passover. And they would, in, instead of allowing that court of the Gentiles for Gentile believers to come and to, to pray and to, to worship God, what, what had happened was they turned it into a bazaar so people could come and buy their, 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 their animals for the sacrifice and there, there was all kinds of business going on. And this is what Jesus is pointing out. And there's, there's no fruit. This, this is the fruit that, that we see. So what we have here is the picture of a fruitless and formal religion. And this is where it, where it comes for us. This is where we, we now turn our attention to ourselves and to, to us as a, as a church, as people who are part of, of, of a worshipping community. This is the challenge for us. The problem of fruitless 
and formal religion. And there is judgment. I mean, we don't have time to look at all the, refer to all the, the, the passages back in the Old Testament. But Jesus is, in a sense, bringing judgment. He's using this, this, um, this fig tree, this mature fig tree that's been along the, on the way and that he's found, he's seen the leaves, but there's no fruit. And he's in the temple now and he's seen. This is Israel, right in the epicenter of the, of the heart of the, the, the faith, the temple, the very place where there should have been true uh, worship to, to God, where there should have been genuine praise offered to God, where this court of the Gentiles, which was set, that was the area in the temple where non-Jewish people who were wanting to worship God, who were wanting to uh, embrace the faith of Israel, whether they could offer prayer, but they couldn't do it. This is uh, the, the problem that we see. And it was the problem of fruitless and formal religion. You see, what we've got, we've got people who are going through the motions. Yes, in many ways, they on the outside, they look good. But uh, they were doing things, ultimately, for their own pleasure, their own glory, and their own uh, financial gain. And these were the very people, the very shepherds of Israel, the priests and the scribes. They would all have been part of this, this, uh, this merchandise, this business that was going on. They're in the temple. And this is what Jesus is so uh, angry about. And it, it, it's the only place in the scriptures uh, that we see Jesus getting really, in a sense, angry and, uh, and, and sort of forcibly grabbing things and, and, and so, so forth. It's the only place, but there's righteous anger here. It's righteous anger here for what the what these religious leaders were allowing, and this had been quite a relatively new uh, phenomenon in the temple. And uh, I'm reminded of uh, Isaiah chapter one verse twelve, where uh, where the Lord says this through Jeremiah, "When you come to appear before me, who's acquired this at your hand?" To tread my courts, the, the temple was a very, a very important. It was a, a very serious place. When we look in books, and Avril and I are, we're going through the book of uh, Numbers at the moment in our our, de, our devotions. And when you when you look at how serious the Lord uh, um, treated the the temple or the the, the tabernacle worship. And yet here we have here, by Jesus' day, what we have is um, fruitless religion. We're seeing people profaning these, these, this sacred place, this place for true worship to God. And uh, it, it's a problem of profaning the worship of God by allowing these things. And this is what Jesus was wanting to to point out he's saying you know this this is wrong this is th there's no fruit here 
and there's going to be judgment. The problem of profaning the worship of God. And we need to take serious the worship of God. When we come into his presence, I mean, for us now, uh, the, the building at, uh, at Quinton on Ridgeacre Road, there's nothing intrinsically sacred or holy about it. It only becomes holy when we are there, when the people of God are gathered there to worship. But what we must remember is when we do gather to worship, that we leave the things of the world outside. We set aside the things of the world, the things that uh, do have to do with our career, the things that have to do with um, our, our, our lives, our everyday lives, because we are drawing together with one another to worship our Creator and our Redeemer. And that should be our focus. And we should never allow worldly things, a worldly way of doing things, to creep into uh, that time, that time together, that space that we have set aside for that purpose. It's very serious because God wants our heart. He wants our whole, whole heart. He wants us to be wholehearted in seeking him. And particularly so when we gather together. Now, we have some challenges because of the pandemic. We, we're all uh, in our homes. But this time on Zoom is just as sacred. It's just as, as important as if we were meeting together. There's nothing special about the building on Ridgeacre, the corner of Ridgeacre and Bulls End Lane, as I've said. It is a facility, it's a provision for us that we can normally, we can, we can meet together, we can worship God, but we, we, we are part of the, the body of Christ. There's no need for a physical temple anymore. There's no need for uh, animal sacrifices. There's no need for the, all the ordinances of the temple any, anymore. Because when Christ came, when he went to the cross, he accomplished forgiveness of sins and redemption once for all. He went through that veil, as it were. And we, we are part of his body now. And whether we're on Zoom like this, or whether we're, we're all back together, which is what we really want, and what we really desire to happen, and hopefully it will be it won't be too far away where we can meet together in our building but wherever it is you know we, you know we are part of something we're part of the body of christ and what christ desires is our is our wholehearted worship and, and, and attention so we need to we need to take serious the worship of god and we need to Make sure that any aspect of worldliness, well, we leave it outside. We don't bring it in. We don't want to profane the worship of God. We want to worship God as he is required and he desires. And he desires that we are fruitful in our worship, that we offer fruit. 
the problem with with the 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 Jewish leaders, the, the the whole religious establishment, why there was no fruit was because they'd allowed these things to happen, because they'd put their own monetary gain uh, before their wholehearted devotion to the Lord. They'd lost the picture uh, that Israel had a was on a mission, a mission to, uh, if you like, display the true nature and 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 uh, attributes of God to those outside. That's why they had a temple of the a court a court of the Gentiles. Ultimately, that that's what the the nation of Israel was for. It was to be a beacon of light to the world, to say this is what the 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 creator is of the universe is like. This is what our God is like. And they had gone off the tracks. They gone off on a tangent they'd allowed worldliness to come in they'd allowed uh, um, uh, self-interest and self-promotion to come in and of course we see that in jesus's ministry and in the interactions with religious leaders and so forth and we can think of the rich young ruler money for them was all important doing business in the temple courts and uh, there are all kinds of problems that we can have in the church today we can have uh, uh, the, the problems that people might use church to promote their business and um, we need to remember this when we gather together we leave these things aside because we want to be wholeheartedly worshiping the lord to be offering worship to god that's telling the world about god about jesus they were offering true fruit the gentiles that were wanting to worship god here that would have been coming to jerusalem they weren't getting the spiritual nourishment that that they would have got otherwise they weren't they weren't being spiritually fed and this is what jesus was so concerned about but it's why he came, isn't it? He came so that people could be made right with God, who could have that nourishment. They could be fed. So there's a, a lesson for us, isn't there, my friends? There's a lesson for us this morning. And we will return to this, this passage in, in the future, just to perhaps comment on the... Uh, verses 22 to 26 but uh, there's a lesson for us this morning as we we bring all this to a close and it's watch how you do church let's watch how we do church not offering the sacrifice of fools acknowledging the seriousness of christian worship acknowledging that no it's not the building that's important or well we've got the building you know that that that's that's the sacred bit uh no it's only holy because god's people are not gathering there and the worship of god is is serious because of that because god's people are there so let's leave the things of the world outside let's let's set aside worldly things as so that we can concentrate wholly on worshipping our God.
And let us pray that we can offer true worship and, and be fruitful and offer that prayer for the nations. Because that's, that's what uh, Jesus was concerned about. And he's, again, he's reflecting Isaiah 20, uh, 56, verse 7, where again there it speaks about that, you know, his temple will be a place of prayer for all nations. Now Mark's the only one that does that. Mark's the only one that, that, that uh, makes that specific reference. All the other gospel writers speak about, you know, Jesus saying, my house, you know, my father's house will be a house of prayer. But Mark's the only one that refers to Isaiah 56 in saying, a house of prayer for all nations. Because that's ultimately what it was meant to be. But it had, it, it had failed in its mission. And that's why Jesus is so concerned. He's so, in a sense, angry with the, the money changes and all that was going on. It, it's, it was not uh, functioning as it should have been. So let, let us, uh, when we gather together, be a house that's offering prayer for all nations, that we don't neglect that, that we pray for the nations and offer prayers that's going to be pleasing to God. Even in, in this challenge of lockdown, and we don't know how much longer that we're going to be in this particular situation. The, the, the vaccine is, is uh, rolling out. More and more people are getting, getting uh, their vaccines. And that's good news, isn't it? And there are more, more and more, and more uh, people who are getting that protection. The R rate seems to be coming down. So things are, are looking good. But it might be a while yet before we get back to worshiping together, which is what we want. Uh, but let's let's continue to be uh, making Zoom that sacred place because we are coming together to offer worship to God, and that we can be fruitful, and that our fruit can uh, be displayed to those outside. Let's be a congregation that offers fruit. Let us be a fruity tree, a tree where there's uh, sweet uh, uh, figs, fruit that is savory and nourishing. Let that be our, our desire. And uh, uh, let's pray to that end. Amen. So uh, let me pray and then I'm gonna hand over to Easton, he's gonna lead us in a song and let, let us uh, sing that song um, wholeheartedly. Let me just pray and then we'll hand over to Easton. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us about yourself, and uh, that uh, you are that great redeemer, that all-sufficient redeemer that has come to uh, transform us into the to this a fruitful tree, Lord, that we might offer uh, fruit and let that be our, our desire. And Lord, that you would do that through your grace, that you would make us fruitful. Amen.